is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vunganyi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Rescue efforts continue in Morocco's Atlas Mountains days after the earthquake killed and injured thousands of people there and raised whole villages. Uh, there are so many people and Moroccans here on the ground that are helping, volunteering, um, and really showing up like never before. Uh, and it's amazing to see the solidarity that is coming uh, from the international world and Morocco itself. That is Yasmin El Bagari, a Moroccan tech entrepreneur who is currently helping with aid efforts in Marrakesh. And Nigerian police have announced investigations into the mysterious death of Afrobeat star Mobad. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery uh, surrounding the death. Uh, but I was talking to an investigative journalist, uh, David Hunday, and he told me that officially the police are considering it a murder case. And so they've launched an actual investigation. That is Kali Abdu, a Nigerian-American television and music producer, he joins us to talk about the latest developments in this story. But first, let's hear from you. This week in New York, the annual UN General Assembly is underway. More than 140 world leaders are meeting to discuss global issues. We asked you to be part of the dialogue. What do you think should be top on the agenda of African leaders? Here is what you said. My name is Akandwanao Nesbas. I'm a law student at King Caesar University, Kampala, Uganda. One of the challenges that UN should address is the countries, some specific countries, interfering in the sovereignty of other states. One, one point that I can give is uh, a country like Russia. We all know what is taking place in Ukraine. We've seen people suffering because uh, a certain country is trying to interfere in the economic and the social standards of another state. Africa. Africa as a continent will have a challenge where the Western, Western think that uh, they are more superior than the African countries. A case in point we saw in 2011, a country like USA interfering in the affairs of Libya. Up to now, Libya has never been at peace. So the UN should should intervene in those matters. I'm called Eunice. Uh, I would think one of the issues would be about climate change. Uh, we've seen natural disasters happening in the last almost one, one month. And I, I would think uh, some of them are controllable if uh, measures were put in place. First of all, by United Nations and followed by countries. Uh, we can try to curb one of them, though some of them may be beyond us. My name is Maria Francis and I'm in Senior 3. The UN should talk about the littering that is going on in our in the whole world, okay. And they should, they should tell people not to cut down trees because these trees are of greater importance to humans. Uh, my name is uh, Omire Brian. Uh, the issue I feel like the General Assembly should discuss is about climate change. We realize that we're having a lot of carbon being emitted in the air. And Africa is suffering through it because of it. So they should also uh, discuss about what uh, President William Ruto talked about in the climate change that concluded in Nairobi about carbon tax. Many thanks to all of you who contributed your opinions to our question of the week. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. 
I'm Jackson Vungani. Let's start off in North Africa, in the Kingdom of Morocco, where humanitarian and rescue efforts continue as the country grapples with the aftermath of the strongest earthquake to hit the country in the last 120 years. The earthquake wrecked havoc on areas of Marrakesh and nearby communities, claiming thousands of lives. Local and international rescue efforts continue as crews race against time to provide aid to the hardest-hit villages in the mountainous areas. Yasmin El-Bagari is a Moroccan tech entrepreneur living in the U.S. She rushed back home to help in the aid effort, working with the World Central Kitchen to provide warm meals to people whose homes were destroyed from Marrakesh, I spoke to her about the rescue efforts and the impact that the earthquake has had on other aspects of Moroccan life. So Yasmin, thank you so much for joining us today. Talk to us about the kind of response there has been so far. Well, just to give some quick uh, statistics, um, as you know, 3,000 people have been killed. Uh, more than 300,000 people have been displaced in these regions in about 8,000 villages approximately. Um, but the response so far has been amazing, first of all, by the Moroccan government. I mean, they were the first to be responding. Uh, they are providing all kinds of support from uh, tents to food, basic, basic needs. They're even relocating the children uh, that have been affected into Marrakesh to go to school so that they can continue their education. Um, we're also seeing a lot of international organizations such as the World Central Kitchen that I have actually been working with closely, providing over 120,000 meals. So about 20, we started off with 1,000 meals a day and now we're ramping up into 50,000 meals per day. And we're really talking about sandwiches but also hot food uh, just to provide a sense of dignity and so the operation has been amazing uh, there are so many people and Moroccans here on the ground that are helping volunteering um, and really showing up like never before uh, and it's amazing to see the solidarity that is coming uh, from the international world and Morocco itself and what do you make of the, the hesitation by the government of Morocco to accept international aid as it has been reported? To be quite honest, I don't really know. I've been very much on the ground just providing meals and that's been the extent in which I'm here. Mm. Uh, as a Moroccan myself, uh, the first thing, uh, the moment I knew about the earthquake, I took a flight and I got here the next day. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, that's not for me to answer. How did the earthquake affect other aspects of life in Morocco? Um, I'm thinking of, you know, cultural and historical landmarks that have been part of the heritage of this country for thousands of years. Yeah, great question. You know, Morocco is such a beautiful country and we do encourage everyone to still come to Morocco. We you know Morocco's economy very much depends on tourism. Um, and so we don't want people to not come. There is still everything is operating as normal in Marrakesh. The you know villages that have been impacted are more in the Atlas Mountains. But yeah, a lot of the monuments and historic monuments have been completely, some of them have been destroyed. Uh, the homes of these villages are completely uh, down to yeah to dirt and ground so uh, we will need a lot of initiatives for long term medium and long term re rebuilding process um, I'm actively working on one as well called rebuild hope which is very much focused on working with the communities to figure out what they need and giving mm. them the power to discuss and to you know decide on, on what they need to rebuild uh, instead of just bringing like here's what you need it's really working collaboratively with the people to 
figure out uh, how they want to rebuild their own communities. What can you tell us about the Moroccan diaspora and what have what are they doing to help? I mean, it's amazing to witness the amount of support, uh, fundraising uh, efforts that have been going on. Um, I'm in touch with Morocco. I'm one of the Moroccans from the diaspora. I'm in touch with the whole, some of the community members in New York, in Europe, all over the world that are just wanting to help. And so there, there has been so many different initiatives, fundraising efforts to be able to support the local nonprofits like ML, like Jou, that are actively working on the ground and helping to support uh, these uh, impacted communities. And what would you like to see from the international community in terms of helping out for those people who want to help out or those that are on the fence about helping out? I would say, you know, come to Morocco, come see, you know, for yourself, visit these communities, um, you know, ha have a little trip around, around Morocco as well to discover and meet the people and ask them, what do you need? Um, that's really the question to lead from is simply building relationships on the ground with the Moroccans and collaborating to figure out solutions, because this is not just a one month response. Uh, it's mm. going to take months, if not years, to rebuild. And these communities are amazing. It's the Amazigh people. They're in the indigenous community of Morocco. They're amazing. They're full of hospitality. They will not leave, let us leave when we visit them without mm. a cup of mint tea and, uh, and some fruits. Uh, even through all the tragedy and all the pain and the suffering. Even, even through the tragedy and the pain, they will mm. not let us leave without mint, without, uh, mint tea and, and some fruits. It's amazing. The resilience to hear. and the hospitality is incredible and I'm, I'm moved to tears almost every day meeting them mm. they're amazing so inspiring how has this affected other parts of the country what has been the trickle-down effect for the rest of the country um, I have not been around. <laughs> I've landed in Marrakesh, so I don't quite know. But mm. I can tell you that I have witnessed support coming in from every corner of the country. So uh, the Moroccan government, the military, the nonprofits, the local people, everyone is given at this mm. point. Morocco is definitely leading the way. Uh, the It's amazing. I, I mean, I know they've said we don't need international support. And, you know, I have it's it's truly remarkable to see how they've responded already. Uh, on the ground and I can mm. see that from my own eyes being here. And, and finally, Yasmin, uh, I wanted to ask you some of the challenges in terms of response, whether it's the terrain, whether it other types of mobilizing you know, resources, what are some of the challenges in terms of uh, helping out Please. both locally and uh, internationally? Also, I mean, in terms of the terrain and the logistics of it, Yeah, I mean, these these places are very much in the heart of the Atlas Mountains. Um, so the infrastructure is complete. Some of the villages, the roads are completely destroyed, so they can't access uh, to to these people. So we need we need donkeys, helicopters. Uh, there's all sort of transportation means that are used uh, to be able to access these people right now. Um, so I would say, you know, but I can see already Morocco is clearing the path, the rocks to be able to move, and the donkeys are getting food and getting tense to the people so it's getting you know cold uh, right now people are really worried about the snow um and the just the the amount of cold that's going to be hitting very soon it's already start raining actually yesterday and so the sooner we can get tents uh to some of these villages the better uh at least you know basic human needs and then starting to think about the recovery process rebuilding schools rebuilding centers rebuilding mosques and just having those safe spaces for people to uh, live live happily and just be, you know, come back to their lives. Right, and of course, right. 
mourning. I mean, there is a lot of grief also happening simultaneously. Yasmin, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful yeah. day. That was Yasmin Elbagari, a Moroccan tech entrepreneur based in the U.S. I reached her in Marrakesh, where she is helping bring aid to the people affected by the earthquake. What's up, Africa? You are listening to Upfront on The Voice of America. You're listening to Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. And let's stay in Morocco, where our colleague Lisa Bryant reports from the town of Amizmiz that children are returning to class after the 6.8 magnitude earthquake destroyed 600 area schools. Lisa reports that many students will be studying in tents for now or in the nearest city of Marrakesh. And two weeks ago, Atlas Primary School in Amizmiz was filled with children. Nearly 500 kids studied here. At least eight died during the late-night earthquake as they slept in homes nearby. Lives and futures suddenly halted. Imad Mule Otman's children studied here. His dad worked as a school janitor. Otman says he's hoping for a speedy solution for the kids to get back to studying. The family sleeps outside. They're fearful of another earthquake. Utman's children are still traumatized by the quake, which killed one of their classmates. In this poor, mountainous region, education can be a ticket to a better life. Teacher Tisam Termi says kids are not dropping out of school like they used to. She says parents are aware of the importance of education. Tisam Termi teaches and lives at a remote village school. Her leg was broken when a classroom wall collapsed during the quake, which also killed four of her students. Some of the dead are buried at this cemetery in Amizmiz. He says what's important now is daily survival. Education comes after. Atlas Primary would have celebrated its 100th birthday in a couple of years. Now its pupils and the region face the difficult task of rebuilding and moving on. Lisa Bryant for VOA News, Amis Mies, Morocco. On the Voice of America. Hello, I'm Richard Martin Smolki from Nigeria, Tarapa State, Biambu, Southern Local Government. I'm enjoying your program. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Liz Kemigisa from Kampala, Uganda, and I love listening to Upfront. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I would like for the readers, wherever they are, to discuss about something called corruption. People are dying. People are not getting services in hospitals, in schools, everywhere. Roads, potholes, no roads, no good roads, no ambulances. But you find someone has stolen billions of money. You're a minister, you are stealing aid of Mabati. A minister? A minister? It's a shame. My name is Apio Sharon. I want the UN to discuss about girls' education because girls' education is important in this world. If you educate the girl, you educate the whole nation. So it's important to educate uh, girls. The first and foremost 
is about corruption. It's highly spreading. The UN, I think, through its powers, it can be able to sensitize our leaders or to draw measures for them to see how power can be transferred, you know, shared from one leader to another other than this tendency of one leader ruling year after year. And for corruption to put measures to like limit it or to reduce it at, at least. Welcome back. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. And let's go to Nigeria where police have announced investigations into the mysterious death of Afrobeat star Ilerio Rua Oladamiji Aloba, popularly known as Mobad. The rapper died last week at the age of 27, which led to widespread outrage and protests on social media, with his fans starting a trending hashtag, Justice for Mobad. Kali Abdu is a Nigerian-American television and music producer. He's been following up on this story and joins us in studio with what he's hearing on the streets, online, and from journalists in Nigeria that are following up on this story. Kali, thank you so much for joining us today on Upfront. Uh, Thanks for having me. We wanted to talk about the death of this young upcoming artist from Nigeria, Afrobeat artist Mobad. Uh, do we know so far uh, the circumstances surrounding his death? Yeah, there's a lot of mystery uh, surrounding the death. Uh, but I was talking to an investigative journalist, uh, David Hunday, and he told me that officially the police are considering it a murder case. And so they've launched an actual investigation. Mm. Are I, they planning to yes, exhume I'm, his body? Yes, I'm learning that his body is going to be exhumed. Okay. Officially, it says this this coming week his okay. body will be exhumed, or this week. Okay, so let's talk about how he died. Yeah. I mean, what do we know about his death? Um, I know there's a lot of moving parts to this story, and every day last week, it seemed like we, had, we were learning something new. You know, from the time we saw those uh, social media postings on Instagram... Talk to us through that timeline a little bit. Yeah, um, so it, it all started when, like you said, we started seeing those videos. And um, no one knows for sure because of the investigation going on. They don't know for sure what transpired, what actually led to what caused his death. Mm. But we know that he was involved in some kind of altercation somewhere and apparently... He, he took a blow to the head or the ear or something and he developed an infection. I don't know if it's immediately or sometime after that. And then he was taken to the hospital and according to reports, he was given an injection and later he died, you okay. know. So we don't know, you know, what exactly right. caused the death, but... Now, there's a couple of videos. One of, one of the videos I found interesting. One was the guy who announced his death. Uh, I think they were in a taxi or in a car. And then the other video that came out a couple of days later was himself on a hospital bed of some sort, crying of, of pain in his belly. Did you see that? Yeah, so that one was prior to. So, unfortunately, one of the things that's uh, upsetting about this case is the boy was crying out for help for a while. On the internet, he took to the internet his social media platforms to say, "Hey, this is going on," and nobody really took notice. And what was going on? What did he say was going on? He was basically accusing the record label he was under, uh, Nara Marley's record label, of 
basically threatening his life yeah. because he wanted or he had left the label and they weren't okay with that. And then in that same video, he was uh, accusing the NDLEA mm -hmm. of giving him some substance to drink. Now, the uh, National Drug Law Enforcement Agency right. in Nigeria. And so they apparently took a few of them. I don't know who else, but it, it wasn't. he wasn't the only one they took. But interestingly, according to him, he was the only one forced to drink the substance. And he says right after he took it, he was never the same. He had a lot of stomach issues and stuff like that. And I think I saw a video where he actually vomited the substance and filmed it. Okay. It's like some white... So, what, is the, what is the connection between NDLA and him? So the interesting thing is, and I was asking uh, David Honey in this, you know, Nara Marley, is, he's an ambassador for the NDLEA, and, you know, a lot of people are finding it ironic, like David was telling me, it's ironic that you have a guy like that who whose profile, he's not ashamed to openly yeah you use, know partake use substances on substances on social media. so people but are finding was an ambassador yeah they're finding that, that ironic so there's the connection with the ndle it starts there and so it's not too difficult to connect the dots and say well if he is very close with the ndle and the ndle is coming after this kid because the you know the quote was the record label accuses him of taking drugs mm. so but the ndlea usually goes after drug dealers not drug abusers yes. which he himself marley you know he's been on right camera right. a couple times so, so if, if they were to take anybody he, would he should be person. also okay so the ndla is involved in some sort of yeah. i guess anti-drug campaign yeah they start using naira marley yeah. as an ambassador of yeah. sorts and one of his signees is more bad who, after breaking away right. from his record right. label, Naira Mali now uses the enforcement power right. of the agency right. to go after right. his former signing. In briefly, that's the relationship. The, yeah, that's that's what the, that's that's the allegation now. To your other point about the other person who was in the car with him, interestingly, Naira and his associates have released a statement, and one of the things—it's very strange statements that's you know on on that and one of the things that they were saying is well they were pointing fingers at that person who's that person now you know that's who they need to focus on right. so Did i we know who that person no is? i think that the issue with him was uh unfortunate because you could clearly see he was afraid for his life and there's been several videos where he was basically um let me say attacked you know because he was clearly attacked some of the videos by uh, like there's a guy associate of Naira called Sam Larry. Mm. Sam Larry has been seen on a couple of videos, or at least I've seen one where uh, uh, Mobad was at a music video shoot. In fact, on one of the music video shoots, he was uh, with a very popular artist in there. In, in fact, Bella Smarda, who's close with him, another popular yes, artist, yes, right. um, has has uh, testified to this. You know, to, to, to this point that these people are, he's seen them attack or come after Mobad in public. Mm. So, the people that are affiliated with, with Naira Mali's label. Right. So, the Marlin Records Associates, Marlin have, Records yes, they've, they've, they've publicly attacked him or they made it clear that they don't, they're not rocking with him and they're not happy with him. Right. And so, Which anyone. Is something that happens a lot in yeah. the music business. Uh, whether it's in the U.S., so this type of thing happens, happens a, lot. a lot in the music right. industry. But in this case, sometimes 
it becomes violence. Right. And these are allegations. We have to say that these are still allegations because nothing mm-hmm. yet has been verified. And we're just using information that is kind of in the public, public domain yes. so far. Yes. So the guy you're telling me that what the, the guy who actually really broke the news of Mobad's death is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And you say that there's video of him being attacked at some point yes. by people that are yes. affiliated with the, the Malians, yes. the Naira Mali record yeah. level. Yeah. There's since been a lot of revelations that Mobad actually petitioned the police. So it wasn't just on social media. He took to social media because he had no other options. He had actually petitioned the police and I don't know what they did. It was. It, it seemed like it was swept under the rug or it was dismissed. So I think that there's a lot that's going to be uncovered by this case already there's been fingers pointing at uh, at a, a royal family in lagos who you know associates of Mar- naira mali or the record label are affiliated with and they've come out to debunk and say we don't know anything about this we don't even know these people they just come around the palace you know uh, the lagos state government has been fingered because there's been pictures with the Lagos current Lagos state governor with these guys so he's the been yes and he's been fingered and he's locked some social media accounts you know comments what has been the reaction of i guess the afrobeat fraternity the big stars the icons yeah Burner boy Wizkid, bella schmada who's yeah. really big who's uh, been very vocal about his friendship with mobad what have been their reactions so far the, the fallout is huge right now the whole industry is upside down um Bella came out publicly a few days ago and said to hell you know the outcome of me speaking out I'm going to speak out and uh, I'm going to let the world know that these people are responsible he's referring to Naira Marley and his label and he's saying that they should be arrested he specifically said that he said over the next uh, coming days he's going to speak out he had a, a tour in Canada he cancelled it he said he can't tour anymore he wants to focus on this until justice is done. Um, And so many other artists are speaking out. One of the things I found interesting was so many artists coming out to say, this has been happening to us too. You know, this is endemic in our industry. You know, um, this type of yes, when you yes, um, you want to leave. You are in a bad, uh, you know, relationship with the yes. record label, and you want yes. to leave. Yes, you yes, yes. So tactics that are yes. So okay. So what has been? What has happened to Naira Mali so far? Man, yeah. he's he's going through it. As as of right now, uh, he's lost at least five hundred thousand followers on his social media. A lot of people are you know actively saying on twitter mute naramali ban all artists signed don't to him yes don't play his music one of his artists was supposed to tour in the u.s that's been canceled the promoters are asking for a refund wow uh, forty-five thousand dollars or something like that uh and then splash fm nigeria has now issued a ban on all naramali music i saw a video the other day in lagos at a club somewhere a DJ played Naramali and the crowd just started screaming, no, 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 no. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's, it's... This is getting serious. Yeah, it's getting really serious. Wow. Um, do you, as a Nigerian yourself, do you have confidence in the legal system, in the law enforcement? Not at all. That they'll come after not at all. be able to solve and Not at all. That's because, you know, just based on precedent, you know, they have a tendency to cover up for the, the big guy. They have a tendency to cover up for, for who has the most money. Mm-hmm. But people are hoping that in this case, that justice will be done, at least that they 
uncover the truth, mm. even if they won't act on it. Because I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of footprints, there are a lot of markings that can lead to whoever the culprit is in this case. Because yeah. this man left a lot of crumbs of yeah. evidence yeah. along the way. Yeah. Videos, yeah. Uh, speaking out, audios, yeah. pictures, yeah. social media. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, fingerprints in so many places that yeah. if you are an investigator, yeah. you should be able to piece together at least a coherent yes. line of yes. what took place here. It should be very easy to, uh, let me not say easy because I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a cop, I don't know what that takes, but uh, from what David Hondian was telling me, it seems uh, pretty obvious that this thing doesn't end with Naira Mali. In fact, only begins with Naira Mali. That if you keep digging, it's going to go high and high and higher up beyond what you can imagine. So I can only imagine where that leads. Yeah. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to all of you who tuned in, whether it was through our FM stations, on shortwave, or online on our podcast at voaafrica.com. Remember to connect with us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook. We are also on Instagram. Just search for VOA Upfront. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa. <laughs> This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Modul. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That's 